Play podcast with me, Georgia Jones, brought to you by the Make Time to Play campaign. Make Time to Play provides parents and carers with hundreds of free play ideas and resources to keep your little ones entertained, whilst talking about the various benefits of play that aids child development. You can download the free Make Time to Play app on iOS and Android for more than 450 play activities which allows you to filter the activities by your child's age, your play setting, and number of children playing. Today's episode is actually the final episode of the series, and what a great episode to finish on. I spoke to Laura Walsh from Great Ormond Street, who discussed how important play is for children who are in hospital or with serious illnesses to help them cope with any anxiety and trauma that may come with being in hospital. We also discuss their upcoming campaign on the power of play. So today I am joined by the lovely Laura Walsh, who is Head of Play Services at Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital. That's correct, isn't it, Laura? That absolutely is. Yeah, thanks so much, Georgia. Oh, well, welcome. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Lovely lovely. to be here. Yeah, lovely to have you. Um, Now... A lot of people will know what Great Ormond Street Hospital is. I remember it used to be on, I'm sure there was a TV programme when I was a bit younger. That was Probably. on. Um, but for anyone that doesn't know, what is the hospital and, and kind of what does it specialise in? So we are a specialist children's hospital. And in fact, uh, we are, if you look back in history, we're the first special specialist children's hospital, a hospital that uh, uniquely cared for children who were ill. Currently, we are one of three specialist children's centres. We are a tertiary centre in the sense that we don't have an emergency department. So we don't um, care for children who might have got sort of scalded or broken their leg. We only have planned interventions. The care that we give to children comes under a number of specialities. And what makes what we do special from my perspective is that we have within those specialities the ability to treat children with complex conditions because often the children who come to us have very serious illnesses and they might have multiple different needs in in different areas. So we're able to give them the best care Uh, from those specialist doctors and and nurses, um, all under one roof. So, and we don't just treat children in London or in the southeast, but across the UK and internationally as well. Oh, wow. That's amazing to know. I didn't realise that. Um, So, so you you are head of play services at Great Ormond Street Street Hospital. That's right. Um, what does that entail? What does that mean? So it's it's probably good to, as a, as a reminder, highlight the fact that GOSH is um, not only doing that caring for children, but it's a research centre. So very much the, the whole environment that we're in is a, a learning environment and, and also that we're supported very strongly by GOSH Charity. So I mentioned that because... The work that the play team does really focuses on making sure that every child from before they walk in the door can have a continuous sense of being a child and having a childhood. And play is a defining feature of childhood. 
and the play workers and the play specialists within the team make sure that children have a um, have a sense of recognisable um, feeling that play is something that can happen here. So even before they step through the door, they might get a call from a play specialist to find out from them what they understand about what's going to happen, uh, maybe to give them some material so they can start to prepare mentally and emotionally for what's going to happen. And then they'll be there to meet them when they come through the door and to make sure that through play and sort of playful ways of learning, children can understand what their diagnosis is, what the treatments are going to be, and what's going to happen next. So we know that as human beings, it's really important for us to have a sense of what's coming next, because the unknown is really scary. And the, the less we know about what's going to happen, the more our imaginations kick in. And we're storytellers, so human beings are story makers. And if we don't have a sense of a beginning and a middle and an end, uh, we'll make up our own story. And often those are much worse um, than the actual reality. Mm. So, yeah, the, the team really are the sort of protectors of play for children. Um, and we can be the ones who see that child all the way through from before they walk through the door right up to the anaesthetic room and then the first people that they see when they wake up and we will have prepared them for what's going to um what tubes are going to be in potentially or how they might feel really making sure that they understand um what's going to happen and who's going to be with them that's so lovely like mm. that must be so comforting for the parent as well to know that there's kind of somebody there to have that role within the within the child's kind of treatment process really yeah you're absolutely right we understand that children don't exist in a vacuum so they're part of a they're part of a family of some kind all children um are connected to adults and so i mean there are numerous stories that i have of children who have been um in say for example in the anesthetic room and we know that the child actually does understand what's happening to them and they've made peace with that. But it's mum or dad who are sort of super nervous. And and actually, part of our job sometimes can be um, to put their mind at ease. Um, so, it, you know, in other words, the more a parent feels that their child is relaxed and is taken care of, uh, the less that they have to worry about fixing everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting, actually, what you said about kind of like explaining it, you know, telling the story to them and them explain uh, them understanding yeah. kind of what's going to happen. Somebody once said to me, actually, when my little boy mm. used to have quite bad tantrums, um, they said to me, maybe just try prior to you doing anything, giving him a warning and just explaining to him, maybe even if it's just five minutes beforehand, what you're yes. going to do in five minutes so that he can yes. mentally kind of prepare and like think, right, that's what I'm going to do, which I suppose, and, and it worked. Fantastic. I mean, it, it, yeah, it really helped with with him and, you know, him understanding. So I, I guess it's very similar to preparing mm. a child for, you know, a big operation or a procedure. Um, yeah, it's that it. preparation, isn't it? And I suppose it's kind of like a, mm -hmm. it's kind of like play therapy, uh, and and that's a way of, of caring yeah, no, for the child, isn't it? I mean, we see firsthand how important 
play is to children to help them make sense of how they feel. So in addition to what you're describing, that's such a brilliant um, first-hand experience that you've had. Um, but we know that if you're able to sort of play stuff out, you're better able to cope in, um, in so many different ways. So not only being prepared for the concrete things that are going to happen, but by playing out some of those ways that you might feel. Because through play, the interaction that has to happen when play is, is present. So, you know, play is an active thing. Play is, is not passive. It can't happen to you. You have to engage with it. Mm. And um, lots of the ways that children play can really help them to test out different feelings in a non-pressured, non-stressful environment. Because if you think about, for example, play fighting, if you've got two children who are who are play fighting, that can make us really nervous as, as adults. But actually, if we trust children to test out their limits and to test out, you know, where those boundaries are with their friends, um, it's really going to support them for challenging times that will come later on. Yeah. Um, and that difference that it makes to children is why, in partnership with Gosh Charity, we, um, you know, we, are, we fundraise and are able to to just uh, to, to support the, the play team to, to do this work at GOSH. Amazing. Because if anybody needs that play, then children who we know are, are sick and are going to have treatment, they, they need that. Well, and, and as well, you know, kind of, it must just take their little minds off the worry because, you know, as adults, we do things to take our mind off worry, like I clean if I'm worried or, you know, ring up a friend or have yeah. a good chat, have a good cry. And, yeah. um, you know, little ones need something to kind of like distract them in a way and to also help them understand. You're absolutely right, Georgia. I completely agree with you. It's it's um, that sort of um, sense of joy, um, you know, that you could describe it as distraction, that actually if you, if you watch children playing, it's fascinating if you start to really tune into what's happening and, and the feeling that's around play when it's happening. Um, you know, that sort of joy and pleasure and distraction and getting immersed in something, um, you know, that that's really got to to help children to cope with things like, um, you know, the first day at school or, you know, the fear of sort of losing your school bag or, you know, how what you know problems that you might be having with your friends that might be coming up, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think we've got to acknowledge that even though play is important for children, of, uh, for people of every age, that for children, it's the, the, the sort of main way that they communicate in the world. Mm. It's so important. Yeah. And I imagine a lot of the little ones that, you know, you know, are very poorly or go undergoing, you know, a treatment that you know, no, no, no one should be having to go through. Mm. I suppose play is a form of escape for them as well. And also normality because you know if they were just at home you know living a a life without whatever they're having to go through they wouldn't mm -hmm. be just at home playing with their friends or mm -hmm. you know with their family members or by themselves yeah that's right yeah and and so why should that stop just because they've come into hospital exactly so what yeah. what types of play do you find really helpful for the children that have come into hospital? That's such a brilliant question. And the first thing I would say is that we, um, as a team, are very tuned into 
the various different types of play. So we have to be prepared for whatever the child in front of us um, is interested in. So you can imagine what our cupboards are like. We've got we've got everything from materials to do tie dye to make slime. Have you ever seen those water beads? They're like oh yes yeah yeah. yeah. That's um, we've got just tiny little packets of that everywhere. And the first time I ever used those, um, I had no sense of how big they were going to be. So I, it's it's a bit of a running joke in the team. I ended up with buckets and <laughs> pots, and it just kept growing. Yeah. I just, it, yeah, it was completely ridiculous. So, oh so we we sort of split that up by category. Um, that that would be in a category of sensory play, so the slime and the water beads, and we make a lot of stuff ourselves with the children. So, for example, um, we make our own play dough, and we can make a, a sand like substance out of uh, corn flour and sh- uh, baby oil. We make lots of stuff with shaving foam, and um, you know, so we're ready for anything, and that is really great not only for children who are a bit younger um, but also it's amazing how you'll find that when children come into hospital um, often they just want simplicity mm. so I, I will always protect a child who's 14 15 16 who wants to have a go at that sensory tray so we'll let them do that I'd quite like to play with those water yes. things <laughs> yeah yeah it's fun for everybody to get your fingers right in yeah. there yeah um, so and also there's more creative type of types of ways of playing, um, you know, making up stories together, having little adventures. So even when you can't leave your bedroom, potentially, yeah, um, you can really expand your horizons by creating worlds through stories or model making. And, you know, that's a kind of way of exercising the imagination, uh, which is really lovely. Are there any particular toys, you know, like that, you know, that you can buy from the shop there, ones that you find are great for having in the hospital? Yeah. I mean, toys are so important because they are the tools uh, to to promote play to happen. So, for example, um, you know, imagine imaginary play will happen if you've got um, a range of sort of dinosaurs and figures and small world sort of action uh, models Um, and things like cars. You know, we always have to have a massive supply of cars, dinosaurs. Um, So there's, there's that. Um, The, the, the best toys I would say are ones which are um, sort of, toys that children can overlay their own ideas onto. The more prescriptive a toy is, so the more specific, uh, the less imagination it takes, Mm. if you see what I mean. Yeah, completely see what you mean, because actually the toys that I've got at home for my little boy Cooper, the all singing, all dancing ones that kind of talk and move and do all these things he's actually not as bothered about. Whereas if you give him a basket full of cars he and a, and a train track to build, mm-hmm. he will spend hours lining the cars up, building this big train track. You know, it's the ones where he can like get involved and be hands-on with mm-hmm. that he's actually more engaged with. I could just imagine it now. And, and I think you, it really speaks to the fact that you've got to really look at the child in front of you and take their lead 
Yeah. Uh, so toys are ever are only ever rather a vehicle um, to to creating that sort of relaxed atmosphere that um, imagination can be activated and in, and children can be inspired. So that's a, mm. that's a brilliant example. Yeah. This might sound like a really silly question, mm-hmm. but do you have to be um, kind of careful with this? With so you were talking about like you know um, tie dye tie dyeing t shirts and the sand that you made and things. Sure. You have to be careful with the kind of um, things that you're using in terms of the uh, medical equipment that is, you know, potentially attached to the child or surrounding the child. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, And it's very much our business. It's our job to um, identify what those hazards are because ultimately they are, it presents itself as a risk um, and it's our job to work out how to minimise that risk and overcome it. Because um, going back to the experiences of parents, there are just so many instances where to see your child in a situation where not only are they poorly, but they've got things sticking out of them that are obviously important and are keeping them alive sometimes. Mm. Um, and the nervousness that parents have is palpable. And it's absolutely our role to to not to ignore the risk, but to become and model confidence around those things. So, yes, we do have to be careful, um, but we've also got to give children the freedom to express themselves and the freedom to play. Because if, if they don't have the time, the space and the opportunity to play, um, then that that right to play that they've got can't be exercised. Um, And we've got to remember that. So I I probably didn't mention, but it's a fundamental human right for children to access play opportunities. Um, And that's enshrined in law. And so I will always, and and the team will always bang on about that because we've got to advocate uh, for children to be able to be supported to overcome those barriers. Because after all, the equipment... Uh, becomes a barrier so yeah yeah really good point yeah and is there you you know we've talked about the parents kind of feeling that worry and panic and obviously the children some of them I mean especially the older ones probably feel it too is there any kind of like toys or, or forms of play that you find comfort the children that are good for comfort and kind of making them feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there really is no one size fits all. But acknowledging that you have to uh, take every child as an individual, I mean, a range of things that can pro- pro- can provide a little bit of comfort. Um, often, I'll use an example. So if a child has a sibling at home or other family members that they're really missing, we might um, use a representative of that family member and keep it inside a bear or something that is around their sort of pajamas or in their bed, yeah. something that's a symbol so they can keep that person close, even when they're not together. Um, so that's kind of important. Um, and the familiar things. So again, it's back to treating that, that child as an individual. So whatever they are very um familiar with Mm. we would try to make sure that they've got those things around them 
Right, I see. Yeah, so mm. you know, if it was my little boy, it would be cars, no doubt. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he actually does go to bed with a car, a toy, I'm not... hard toy car, not a cuddly toy. I'm not surprised, actually. I'm not. When you love something, it doesn't matter. No. You want it close to you all the time. You do. You do, absolutely. Um, and do you use, um, do you ever use the toys to kind of explain the treatment that they're going through? So, you know, if they're having an operation, would you like, I don't know, demonstrate it on a cuddly toy or, or something? Fantastic. We absolutely do do that all the time. So I believe that we are the only sort of profession that's weird enough to spend sort of evenings and weekends drilling holes often in hard body dolls. Um, so we can we can pop sort of lines in there and, and tubes up their noses and that sort of thing. Um, if anybody could see us through the window, I'm sure we'd we'd have the police knocking on the door. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for a child to be able to visualise our doll. Yeah continuing that example, what those uh, tubes and um, sort of, uh, you know, the, the cannula, what that might look like external to oneself helps to have a mental model um, and will help that child to come to terms with what that might feel like. And it's about being able to sort of, for them to prepare themselves uh, before that happens. So you're absolutely right. We do that all the time. Yeah. And often with younger children, um, we'll try to allow that to happen quite naturally. So there is an example. Recently, I can think of, of a child who um, was sort of five or six, maybe seven years old. And she knew most of what was happening to her the next day as she was going to go to surgery. And um, she was hanging out in the playroom and she wanted to sort of play with the dolls. And we also always have bandages and cotton pads and and so she was playing out what this was going to look like. And um, it's really important to be able to do those things, to play the nurse, to play the person that is um, going to be caring for that doll, which mm. is actually a stand in for yourself. Um, there's an, another little girl who I've worked with who every time I went to see her, um, pretty much every time I went to see her, she wanted to practice either taking blood from me or, or having me take blood from her. And it was just this, this um, you know, sort of almost like a vignette that she would play out over and over again. And it was comforting to her. Yeah. Um, her history was that she, um, you know, she had had lots of procedures and her veins uh, were not easy to access. And so for her to keep playing this out yeah. was comforting to her because it makes it, Fun, it makes it less serious she's able to play out all the different roles and make sense of some of those difficulties so it's amazing how their little brains must work that all out isn't it they must be like you know I want to practice this and see you know do it for myself and it must just be the kind of their way of of seeking a little bit of comfort and and understanding they're clever. They're much cleverer than, than we realise, aren't they? Absolutely. They they absolutely are. In fact, I would go so far as to say, when it comes to play, they are absolutely experts. Yeah. And, and we have to allow them that. They are the experts. They know what they need if we just trust them. And play is this amazing tool they have at their fingertips. Um, and if we allow them time and space and opportunity for it, children can access that and they can heal themselves. 
Yeah, and it's lovely as well, isn't it? Because children have the time to play. They're not. They're not. You know, they're not sat there scrolling on their phones or, you know, reading the news or anything like that. They're just they're they're fully invested in that yeah. moment, aren't they? And that's yeah. what you forget. And even now, when I watch my little one play. You know, I'm always doing some, I'm like, right, he's happy playing, I'll go off and do something. When actually you forget, like, you know, just to be in that moment with them sometimes. The amount of times it's like, mummy, watch, mummy, watch. And I'm like, yes, I'm watching. Whilst I'm like putting something in the oven. <laughs> but it is, it's just so innocent and lovely that they kind of like have that time. Definitely. It's almost like, um, I think of it as, them being fully in the world like their whole body their their body minds and feelings are in the world when they're playing yeah. and um yeah like you say they're fully committed to that moment and yeah. I would say though as a as a parent not to give yourself too hard a time because you also need time to do things that you're interested in and you've got to do so um I think we as parents I'm a parent myself we can um, we can struggle with this idea that we have to always be involved in play and it is super fun and and important that sometimes we're playing but we don't have to be doing it all the time no I remember that I'm trying to put too much pressure on myself because you, you, you can't help but feel guilty sometimes when you when you're not not playing it's lovely though to hear kind of their imaginations run away with themselves though like you when now since Cooper started watching films um, you know, I hear him acting out the film, and I'm like, I did not even know you realised that was like, I, you know, that was a line from the film, and he'll come out with something, and I'm like, oh, that's what that character says, and it's amazing just to see the uh, progress they're making mentally. That's so cool. Yeah. Now, you have a campaign, a new campaign. Is it starting in September? Is that correct? That's absolutely right. Um, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about this campaign? I would absolutely love to. Um, the world of childhood has changed so much since the start of COVID. Um, you know, children have missed out on time with family and friends and um, play dates, that sort yeah. of thing. And one thing that we've really noticed as we went through that year and a half, and not that it's completely over, but we um, had to acknowledge that for children in hospital, some of those experiences of isolation and worry and upset, um, suddenly there were these parallels with the rest of the world, essentially. Mm -hmm. So children everywhere. Um, and for, for children everywhere, the sort of everyday challenges of falling out with friends, first day at school nerves, things that are sort of run of the mill that they've got to cope with. Um, are are sort of added to by this global pandemic. And so it's never been in, more important for children to, ad um, to adapt and cope uh, to change. And we know, as I say, that play is this simple and powerful tool that children have right at their fingertips to help them with these worries. And so we recently released uh, some new research. Mm -hmm. It was our first ever state of play report um, which highlighted the importance of play to support all children, as I say. And um, we used a academic, academic literature review and spoke to parents across the country about their attitudes um, towards play and how they felt that play was impacted and how play supported 
their children through this time. Um, and I'm so excited to say that we finally got to this place where in September, Gosh Charity is uh, launching the Power of Play hub. And this hub brings together amazing new resources that the play team at the hospital have helped to create. Um, and we've worked with partners from some famous children's brands and stories to help mm -hmm. support children through the pandemic and build their resilience to help them recover from restrictions that have been placed on their lives. So in September, the hub will be live and we'll be able to share some of those super exciting resources with everybody. Oh, wow. That sounds absolutely fabulous. What a great it's so idea. exciting. Yeah, I bet you all just can't wait for it to be launched now, can you? Absolutely. So to anyone listening, what, how, where would they find it then once it's launched yeah so we cannot wait for, for listeners to visit the gosh charities power of play hub yeah it's going to be packed full of fun and creative resources to help parents and children play together um or for parents to help children to sort of play more appropriately when they're on their own and you can find this from september by visiting www.gosh.org Amazing. That's fab. I'm sure there'll be lots of people heading there, no doubt. Lots and lots of parents. I hope so. <laughs> much needed, much needed. Mm. Um, well, Laura, thank you so, so much for coming on and chatting with us. Um, super informative, very helpful, and what an amazing thing that you guys do. Thank you so much, Georgia. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed the episode with Laura. It was so fascinating to understand how Great Ormond Street Hospital not only used play in terms of comforting the children, but also to reenact medical procedures to help them understand what's going on. Thank you so much for listening to this series of Make Time to Play podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to all the wonderful aspects of play. If you want to access hundreds of free play ideas, please download the free Make Time to Play app on Android and iOS. You can also follow the Make Time to Play campaign on Instagram and Facebook at Make Time to Play.